Hi everyone, welcome to the first ever episode of the Plant Simo podcast. I'm your host Rachel and today I have two incredible people with me, the vegan voyagers Erin and Hayden. Guys, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Like, I'm literally so excited because I'm really passionate about travel and food myself and just your entire story, like a couple who you've sold like so much of your stuff to kind of live this like nomadic lifestyle of traveling and trying new vegan food. I just, I think it's awesome. I think you're awesome. (laughs) Thank you. I can't wait to share our, our story with you guys. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, before we get into everything you've been up to, I mean, I've, I believe you're in Mexico at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm just really curious, how did you guys meet? Like, did you meet and you were both vegan and really into travel? Or was it just like a coincidence? <laughs> I'm really curious. So we actually met uh, working for Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. Erin um, had already been living up on the San Juan Islands in Washington State. Uh, that's where the headquarters were at the time and I got a job there and we met and I pretty much said this is the guy I found him (laughs) you know we already had a a shared love of um, obviously the ocean and marine conservation and we were both vegan so that really helps you know all of our our morals and everything combined so um yeah that's so lovely after the fact (laughs) (laughs) yeah it always feels like destiny you know like fate or something that you guys were brought together yeah (laughs) a lot of a lot of moving pieces to to put us in the same place at the same time but uh (laughs) yeah especially given our backgrounds you being from los angeles i'm from the midwest so oh my god little tiny island in washington is just kind of an incredible twist of fate essentially yeah (laughs) i mean being from the uk i sometimes forget how massive america is so that's that's a real feat you should be proud of yourselves like (laughs) i mean speaking of conservation I mean, naturally, I'm sure for both of you, that's something that hugely motivates your veganism, right? The kind of moral aspect of that. I mean, I was watching on your YouTube what you've been up to in Mexico and what you've been doing with turtles there. And I just thought that was really cool. Like, do you like to tell us more about it? Yeah, so that was a huge bucket list for me, uh, or bucket list item for me, because I, you know, we have this huge shared love of respecting the animals and the environment and the planet. Mm. And as soon as we found out that there was the opportunity to rescue baby sea turtles, we were chomping at the bit. Like we were going to do that no matter what it took. (laughs) It's one of the most incredible experiences that I think either of us have ever truly had because Mm. you're put yourself in a situation where you really are the last line of defense for some of these turtles that, you know, suffer so much through predation, whether it's animal or human. Mm. And, you know, so you get in there and some of these nests are one to two meters deep. And so you're digging sand just way out of there. Gosh. And pulling these little tiny babies out that wouldn't have made it to the surface and wouldn't have had a chance at life. And it's just this incredible, powerful, moving, emotional feeling to know mm-hmm. that that turtle has a chance because of the actions that you took. And I think that drives a lot of what we do in general is just 
try to save as much and, and rescue as much of the earth as we can. Yeah, exactly. And I think firstly, that's so, that's so heartwarming and that that's incredibly sweet and really beautiful. Like being able to have that kind of experience and know, like, even if it's only on like a micro level that you are, you know, saving life, helping animals, stuff like that. But I think so many people, they don't appreciate enough, especially when it comes to lifestyle changes, the impact that you do have, even though it may be small, right? Like just saving one life alone, you know, obviously it's not going to like completely change the current situation, but you've had some effect on that ecosystem. And at the end of the day, it's something to, you know, be proud of, I think. Yeah, and it's, you know, it changes the world for just that one animal and it, it makes yeah. it important to us. So, you know, every little bit helps and every little bit that we can do as individuals really does go a long way, even if we don't realize, uh, you know, and we don't see those, that impact. It, it really is making a difference. Also, yeah, exactly. Impact, you know, when, when you talk about going vegan, you, you know, you, at first, you're the typical vegan where it's like, ah, everything vegan all the time. And yeah. <laughs> uh, as it continues on, it continues on, you start to notice that people are coming to you with questions. Like, how do I replace some of my meals? How do I do this? And even, you know, my parents living in the Midwest, it's very much a meat and potatoes area, but now my mom is oh, yeah. entirely vegetarian and she's gotten my dad off of beef. So like, just the little cascading effects that you can have by some of these mm. small actions really add up to massive change in the world. Yeah, exactly. And it's also having that sort of knowledge, right? Because there are so many people who would happily experiment with a plant-based diet and they, they care about the moral reasons, but they don't know where to start. And when you've made those minor kind of changes yourself, like you said, passing them on to other people, you are having... A, a significant impact on your own communities and your own lives and it you know again I keep saying this but it's something to be proud of you know <laughs> and there's just so many different types of activism too like I mm. worked for PETA um, as a campaigner and so standing on the street corner wearing a lettuce bikini might not be for everybody <laughs> you know that's not necessarily the only way to make a difference and so just every single person has an entire uh, network and community of people that they can be influencing like on a more micro scale. And those changes really do add up to, to really big impacts. So, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, vegans are all these crazy people on the streets and you're fueling yeah. testing and this, that, and the other, but, and that's a great form of activism, but it's just not for everyone. And um, that's not the only way to make impact and impactful. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I think what you were just saying about people thinking about vegans as if, I don't know, they're like these sort of crazy individuals, right? When <laughs> like there are, there are vegans all across the planet, every culture, every society, but obviously we don't typically get that kind of representation in, in the media or in terms of travel for people to be conscious of that and aware of that. And I think that that's why what you two are doing, traveling around, showing these options and showing that it is completely possible to be vegan in other countries like Mexico, which I think a lot of people would presume, oh, you know, I can't go vegan there. Do you get what I mean? I couldn't find the options. And that's really our goal um, with through Vegan Voyagers, through our YouTube channel, is that we just want to show people that it's, it can be easy and it can be really inexpensive a lot of times mm. to vegan pretty much anywhere in the world. And while we've only really made it through Mexico, um, 
<laughs> due to the pandemic, we kind of got derailed <laughs> with our travel plans. But, um, you know, we're finding vegan options in places that you would never expect them to be. And so even in the United States, so before we started our world travels, we um, traveled through the United States for three years in an RV. And so you're in the middle of a, a state that you would never expect to have a vegan restaurant, let alone vegan options anywhere. You know, we're in North Dakota eating in a vegan restaurant. And so just in the 10 years that I've been vegan and having traveled uh, doing activism work, I've seen just huge, like huge strides in the movement um, and just in the, in the options and availability for people. So, you know, I can, I can see it for myself the the changes yeah. are it's uh it's really it's it's amazing it's inspiring so yeah i had a, a co-worker uh, many years ago that said oh i'm vegan except when i'm traveling and i was yeah. kind of what is it about traveling that changes your perspective and changes mm -hmm. your availability and so when we started talking about doing this whole thing of you know traveling in the u.s first international travel now that's always been one of my driving motivation and motivating factors is I kind of want to just prove that person wrong. Like you can <laughs> just and be 100% vegan and still have the same amazing experiences and cultural experiences that non-vegans would. And it's super easy to do. And outside yeah, exactly. of a resource for people, you know, we do these vegan food tour videos and what are pretty much major cities. So like Mexico City wouldn't expect to be a huge major vegan Mecca, but it was. There were thousands of vegan restaurants. We were, we had no idea. But also there's uh, really good resources like the Happy Cow app and a Billion Veg app. And they basically will show you the vegan options in every, any, any location around the world. So it's been Ooh. a huge resource for us to use that because we can be pretty much anywhere and pull up the app and it says, oh, there's vegan options within 10 miles of you. And so just these types of um, technological advances have really helped to uh, spearhead the, mo the movement. And um, it really does help dispel the you can't be vegan and travel myth that uh, people think, think of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's so cool. I had, I literally had no idea apps like that exist. And oh it, it just, it just shows a lot. Like, I don't know how people live without it. <laughs> we were just kind of laying around wrapping up our night and we were just putting it to the test. Like where, what was the most random yeah. places we could think of? And we were like pulling up in Uzbekistan and sure enough, yeah. boom, <laughs> vegan <laughs> Smallest country in the world, I think, is Eritrea, and there's vegan options there. So it's just, there's there really is no excuse for people not mm. to go vegan because, and that's really, you know, what we're trying to, to show people. And, and it's fun, and the food tastes good. It's not just us eating whatever, Sounds you know, yeah, lettuce. Yeah. So, <laughs> to be honest. So, like... We just we think it's so fun to show people uh, the food that we find, and obviously we have a lot of fun eating it. So <laughs> that's just one of our major driving forces behind um, what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, it's like you say, it is literally just that mental block of oh, veganism is an added difficulty, right? You know, it's a handicap when I travel abroad. I'm going to have to be constantly thinking about it, but you literally don't. That's insane that countries that small. You could, you, yeah, you can find vegan options anywhere, literally anywhere on the planet. 
Oh, have we frozen a bit? Uh, we froze. We're back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, <laughs> have you guys had enough? Have you just signed off? Like, Well, I was about to ask, actually, you were talking about how, you know, incredibly delicious a lot of the food you've tried. And I mean, this is a podcast that's supposed to be about food. We haven't even discussed it yet. What would you say is the best thing you've had so far in Mexico? That's a really hard question. I know immediately what mine is. So I'm obsessed with mole, which is um, a typical Mexican sauce. It's made out of chocolate and it's kind of an acquired taste, but I'm obsessed with it. And in Mexico City, there's a restaurant called uh, La Pitaya Vegana, which is um, dragon fruit, is La Pitaya. And so they have their tortillas are all pink, which is really good for Instagram. But they have this delicious, like a plantain stuffed like enchilada with mole sauce so you get the sweetness from the plantains and the bananas with the like kind of bitter chocolate mole sauce and it was sounds just amazing incredible flavor combination I've ever had and it just you, you would never find that in the states because it really is like a traditionally Mexican dish and, and that's what we like to do is highlight these Mexican or you know the local dishes that are veganized and just show people that you can still have that cultural experience. Um, you're not missing out because you have to choose a vegan option. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know if I could pick a single dish. <laughs> like we've had hundreds, and, and it's funny, everywhere we would go, it's literally, we would say, this is the best insert whatever we're eating we've ever had in our life. But probably mm. the, the new dish that I had no idea existed that I now, or we now eat on a fairly regular basis was uh, molletes and that is toast with refried beans and sometimes some cheese pico de gallo avocado and it's just it's like avocado toast on steroids yeah. and it's <laughs> oh wow <laughs> and filling and it's so simple but we also had really like elaborate versions of it so in mexico city there was this gorgeous giant baguette that had like soy riso potatoes and it had the cheese and the cream sauce and beans yeah. and it's just such a simple dish that can either be simple or really made into like an elaborate gourmet meal so mm. one, one mm. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> listening to that literally like <laughs> just listening to that like literally my mouth is watering like honestly <laughs> millennials so the avocado i was like yeah. <laughs> should i pick a flight <laughs> being in Mexico is that you know avocados are local and they're plentiful mm. <laughs> and very cheap yeah and I think what you said as well about you know taking that sort of inspiration from traditional Mexican cuisine as well is is literally so important right because I think with so much of vegan cooking like the cultural influences do tend to come out of the west because I'm thinking specifically of like Indian food for example where you have a lot more options that can be more readily made vegan and they rely more on sort of fresh um, natural ingredients like a lot of vegetables and stuff so yeah I, I think that sort of like experimenting and moving into like different cultures and cuisines and just just the fact you guys have this kind of platform and you're opening up so many people's minds to you know like I've never really tried any Mexican food definitely not any traditional Mexican food like I had Taco Bell once but <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I just 
Mexico. And like I said, we've only really made it through here, but we want to find the traditional dishes in every country. So one that comes to mind is uh, the country of Georgia and they have mm. kata curry, which is um, not a vegan dish at all. It's like a bread baked with cheese and eggs and everything in it. We've, we've had a vegan version um, in Los Angeles, but that's the kind of dish that we want to find when we go there. So who's making the vegan version of the traditional um, like country dishes that people, you know, so we don't miss out on the cultural aspects yeah. of travel. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, once you have those kind of options there, it not only it's not only great for vegans who just want to go abroad and experience different cultures, but also like meat eaters, right, who are like, oh, I can't enjoy the things I typically would. I mean, no one likes the idea that we have to, you know, like slaughter animals to enjoy protein and enjoy meat. I think that's that's true for almost everyone, right? It's it's just to do with the flavor. So when it comes to things like meat substitutes and dishes, which in terms of flavor like replicate like meat versions the closest i think you should you could see like a serious change in terms of people moving towards veganism once we have more of those options i mean what what do you guys think well i've always said that if you take the animals out of meat i'd go back to being a meat eater mm. uh, because i do like those textures i do like those flavors but i yeah ethically i'm not willing to have an animal be killed or even suffer mm. for my own pleasures, you know? So th there's been this huge boom and huge movement behind getting products that are very similar in texture and taste. And, you know, you see it across the United States with like Beyond and Impossible trying to, to get to that point. But even down here in Mexico, there's such a, there's such a cool movement with a lot of these vegan restaurants where they have, you know, traditionally meat-based dishes that they veganized, you know, like Suadero, mm -hmm. Janita P. Bill, uh, you're making cho uh, chorizo out of uh, soy curls, and you're able to get all of those flavors and all those textures without any of the animal products. So even if you are a meat eater, if you just go into it with a little bit of an open mind, you're gonna get all of that same really local authentic taste and flavor without any of the actual, uh, death of an animal and it's going to be healthy for you yeah and just, yeah exactly um, the products have come so far in the last just couple of years that you know a lot of people are actually eating vegan dishes not even realizing that it is a vegan dish you know they think mm -hmm. that we all just eat like plain tofu out of a package but you know <laughs> you can eat a burger and not know that it was an it wasn't an animal so just, I think the technology that we've put into food uh, creation is really going to be like the driving factor for how the world starts to move to a, a more plant-based uh, world because it's more sustainable and, you know, it's obviously better for people's health and everything like that. So, and the animals don't suffer. So it's kind of just a win-win. And if people don't miss the flavor and taste and it's not like this weird gross chewy like tofu burger that people didn't want to eat in the first place then they, they start to come around and even just eating it a couple of times a week or replacing mm -hmm. it a few times um when you sit down to eat and that's why meatless mondays are such a great you know uh way to get people to just start thinking like i can eat a plant-based meal instead of a meat-based one and it really does make a difference because they'll start to ch change their habits over, over time, so. 
Mm. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely agree about like people who are more like flexitarian, right? Where they kind of go in and out of veganism because I think it's marketed as like, one day you like become a vegan and then like that's it do you get what I mean like you can't slip up or it's like a reality that's not how it works (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it's it's not you know it's not like a moral failure right if you like you know ended up eating some meat again like for most people like your diet it's such a huge thing to change because it's so intimately connected to your sort of like emotional comfort and your sense of security and all these sorts of things that I just think it's it's good to cultivate a sort of environment where obviously we're like here's a plant-based diet here are the incredible benefits of being on one but you know if you go in and out of that kind of lifestyle like that's fine you know no 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 one's gonna come to your house and be like how dare you (laughs) you know (laughs) and don't let the strive for perfection be the death of progression Mm. like even you know vegans and activists and everything you know we we strive for this utopia and that is obviously the end goal like we want you know realistically zero animal products in the world Mm. that that would be the utopia but people get so hung up on that level of perfection that they start shooting Mm. down any progress towards that. And I think that does more harm to the animals than than any good. Mm. Yeah. People need to think about these things in terms of like incremental change, right? Because like such a massive change, like seeing a society in which, you know, vegans, (laughs) I was about to say vegans dominate, but (laughs) Is it really what I mean? Where, you know, a plant-based lifestyle is the mainstream diet. Obviously, it's, it's going to take time. And I think with a lot of the environmental factors that we see happening, like the intensification of climate change, for example, like what's been happening recently, I believe, in Oregon has kind of scared me. Yeah, as well. So hopefully that will open more people's eyes to, you know, the way our climate is going and obviously animal farming has such a massive impact on that and it needs to be more discussed in my opinion yeah and especially with everything that's going on with this pandemic right now you know, mm. it's, it's all started through animal markets and through the consumption of meat like you know we've one of our best posts that we've had go crazy recently was we shared a photo that says no pandemic started because of tofu and <laughs> like even just realizing that the consumption of meat is leading to like you say you know climate change but also the current situation that everybody's in right now like if we were in a plant-based society the odds of this happening are very small yeah exactly like actually (laughs) that's a really good point about coronavirus that really not enough people discuss that it literally did come out of these wet markets in which animals were being you know like like slaughtered essentially and i think just thinking about our health in relation to that like the benefits of going to a plant-based diet compared to you know being on a meat-based diet are just very well documented and i think (laughs) not even just in terms of you know spreading disease and all the all that kind of stuff we can just think about those benefits to our wider health holistically as a society Absolutely. And I think also one of the major misconceptions is people think, oh, you know, wet markets are only happening in China or it happens mm. across the sea. Like that's not my reality, but there's wet markets in New York City and people just don't necessarily understand that uh, 
you know, the way we raise animals and the way that we group, like make them interact with the animals that they're not supposed to. So it was like mm. a bat that interacted with a pig and then a human ate the pig. And so it's just, everything is so unnatural about the way we mm. eat food. And so that has, you know, clearly taken a huge toll on, you know, a lot of people's health and clearly the environment is suffering immensely because of it. And, you know, the Amazon rainforest is burning at intense yeah. right now and it's because of cattle farming. So it's they're, they're grazing or they're raising soy to feed cows instead of just even feeding the soy to human beings. So like we, if we can feed that many billions of farm animals, we should be able to feed that many billions of human beings. And instead we choose to make this middleman that doesn't uh, mm. build all the same caloric needs that humans need in order to survive. It's just, it's so counterintuitive and backwards and people just, and in response, they'll just say, oh, bacon. I like bacon. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what you said there about the whole food process being so broken down into these specific steps where you're completely isolated from the actual process of, you know, killing the animal converting it into meat and stuff like that like you buy a chicken breast from the supermarket and you would never like think of that as being a living creature it's such a sort of product you know just the sort the like entire environment that we think about food in I, I think that's so true and <laughs> I I did not realize that at all about New York and it just shows how we have literally been like raised you know cultured by the media just to think about these things as happening somewhere else you know some other distant country and once you travel as as well as living in countries like america and seeing it yourself you just realize that completely isn't true right yeah and you know even the um like the pig farms that are in north carolina in the united mm -hmm. states they're a huge detriment to the communities who live there and it's actually you know lower income mostly people of color who are affected by these practices so like it's all interconnected and so you know mm. just, if you want to just go and eat a chicken breast or a, eat a piece of bacon you don't realize the impact it's having on human beings like mm. communities who are suffering mm. they have like asthma they basically spray poop through the air and it infects it just spreads hundreds of oh, miles air and so it's people just don't know that and they don't really care because it doesn't affect them really is what it comes down to. Yeah. I think if people had to actually go through the process of basically hunting, killing, breaking down animals into their own meat, I think we'd have a lot more vegetarians in this world because it's a, it's pretty intense. You know, when I was in Japan, uh, in Taiji, the dolphin slaughter, like I actually saw the whole process of live animal get captured in the cove, get taken off to the meat markets where it was butchered down. And then later that day, they were packaged up in the, in the supermarkets. And it's a very intense uh, thing to witness and really wrap your hand around and realize that this is happening all over the world and happening everywhere. And people are so disconnected from their source of food that they just think it somehow magically humanely shows up in the supermarket and they're, uh, they're yeah. doing a buying it. Yeah, you become just so 
desensitized to the process because obviously it's not publicized you don't really see it in the same sort of way like it's never really represented to you and I think what you said there about actually the level of exploitation of people especially people of color that is involved in keeping you know these large-scale farming operations and just the entire meat industry going effectively is is really interesting because obviously there is this whole cultural narrative right that veganism is only for the privilege it's this very white thing it's this very western thing and obviously through discussion of this and just through traveling to other countries and you see the local communities like i know you went to a specific festival in mexico actually believe it's called the playa de carmen festival and it just shows you know these local communities are vegan they care about these same sort of issues so this sort of binary notion that somehow veganism is only the product of you know these very elite western white people it's just you know it's deconstructed when you experience these sorts of things i think yeah there's actually a really large or a growing number of people of color who are becoming vegan because mm. they realize that um animal agriculture and eating meat is affecting their health in the worst way. So most, the majority of people around the world are lactose intolerant. And also it goes into, you know, they're the communities who are being the most affected. So they live in food deserts where they don't have, you know, a Whole Foods on their street corner. And unfortunately they're, they have to rely on McDonald's because that's what A, they can afford to feed their family. And it's just the cheap processed meat and they're seeing the benefits of how eating fresh food and everybody in the world should see the benefits of doing that and how access to fresh food and vegetables and fruits um you know really makes an impact on entire communities of people and so there's a a really um amazing growing community of people of color who are becoming vegan and starting to make it more not just a white thing and so we're just so happy that that's the case because nobody wants to hear a white preachy vegan telling other people around the world what to do and so um it's just great that the voices are being amplified and um you know in other spaces that we don't have access to yeah i think i think what you said about lactose intolerant there intolerance sorry <laughs> is is a particularly good point because i think a lot of people don't actually realize you know that the extent to which a lot of other countries are using animal products like like milk like cheese like eggs is you know significantly less than we do here in the west and that actually got me thinking about like the western diet in particular and what you were saying about fast food and how i i can't help but find it rather strange that a lot of the companies which are pioneering these vegan options and like all running to get them onto their menus are fast food chains you know like you yourself have tried the recent whopper I believe, like the new vegan Whopper. And I know, I think McDonald's has got some new vegan options here, but it's literally these same industries which have such a detrimental effect on so many people's diets. Like they literally create the culture and the sort of economic situation. Well, at the very least they're responding to it, right? Through making all their products very cheap, where people are living these kinds of unhealthy lifestyles and relying on that sort of food. But at the same time, they're opening the culture up more to veganism. I just, I just find that interesting. Yeah. Like catch <laughs> I was just gonna say, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with that because I love 
that you know like McDonald's is doing this and Burger King's doing this, all these other KFC uh, fast food restaurants are tenders. Yeah, they're, they're exposing these vegan products and these plant-based products to the world, but they're still. It, there's a part of me that's like, I can't give them a free pass because mm. they've got one or two products where 80% of their uh, income is based off of the suffering of animals. So it's, we want to, we, we will often go out and try the food, test it out, explain it, you know, show that this is a, an opportunity for people that maybe uh, are traveling and, you know, that it, it's easy to hit place like that. But we definitely don't advocate that you consistently go there and eat there. But it is yeah. opening up to the people who do live in food deserts an option to eat a vegan burger instead of a, yeah. a meat-based one. And so it's really not about the white vegans who have a Whole Foods on their street corner. Like, that's not who the market is. Like, it's, you know, and they're the ones who are going to criticize that the most because they're like, well, I don't eat that and I would never give them my money but really in the mm. end it's like we live in a capitalist society and there really is mm. no way to be 100% ethical like working in the system that we're in right now and so we just think that any any move towards a plant-based product especially with a huge you know corporation like McDonald's is a step in the right direction and yes they're still going to make money and yes they're still um you know harming animals at ridiculous rates and why would why should we support that company but we should be supporting anyone who wants to offer a vegan option because it's opening mm. up the door to people who wouldn't have had that option otherwise yeah exactly Ex exactly yeah i mean what you said about that there, there really is no ethical consumption under capitalism right because the clothes we wear it just just alone most of which are made by literal slaves but <laughs> don't want to get too intense you know for the podcast but you know one of the arguments is is that like the sustainable products are really expensive and so they're mm. just not as widely available to the masses and, and that might be true and um but it still doesn't mean we shouldn't be making those products. Like, so mm -hmm. yeah, it's, just, it's just a catch 22. It's like, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> all, all you got to do is just travel and for a bit, try to get away from all of the, the crushing awareness right. of all of the stuff. We try to put a positive spin on things where we're just like, you can look at all the really great food that we've found and you know, we just want to encourage people to try those products. Like you don't have to be vegan to eat a vegan meal and enjoy it because it's delicious. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, I'm curious because obviously you guys, you want to, I'm, I'm assuming you want to travel the whole world, right? And find whatever vegan options you can. Yeah. Incredible. Amazing. Is there anywhere in particular that like, you're really excited to go that you think would be really fascinating to explore from a like plant-based perspective we're we're supposed to be in yeah. germany right now oh my god <laughs> uh we were going to do a whole europe uh western europe eastern europe down into africa trip this fall thanks corona but uh <laughs> I, I don't know that there's one particular place where I'm like, absolutely, that is the, the target. Um, specifically for food, for me, the, the targets that I choose, like the countries that I want to go to are uh, 
uh, a lot of the cultural aspects of it and the food is kind of like okay what can we tie into how do we how do we experience uh, like when we go to Scotland which is where part of my family is from you better believe I'm gonna find vegan haggis somewhere like that is, <laughs> I'm um, but yeah what about you I, I, I don't even know. I want to visit at all and I want to eat all the food. I think I'd, um, I'm most looking forward to visiting Africa um, and specifically like Ethiopia. We love Ethiopian food and just to be able to eat all those amazing flavors and see where they come from all in like from the source, you know, is I think where we'll I don't know. It's just, I want to see it all. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sure you guys will, you know, you've clearly got an incredible amount of passion and knowledge and experience when it comes to these things. And I mean, honestly, what can I say? I'm I'm sure I've just sat here and rambled the entire time, but this has been amazing. I've really, really loved talking to you and what can I say more than I wish you all the luck in the future. And thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having us. It was so great to meet you and to get to talk to uh, your listeners. And, and we just hope people will be inspired to, to try more vegan food and, and to get out into the world and, and, and travel more. That's, yeah. It's just what we want people to do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah honestly, I'm, I'm pretty inspired myself. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go pack my suitcase and <laughs> like, come up with new ideas of places to go. But yeah, thank you so much, guys. And Thank you for watching. I hope you enjoyed the first ever episode of our incredible guests. Bye.